nobody knows what you are. I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself. If you don't believe, nobody else is going to believe. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Welcome back to Paper Trails. It's your boy, Mohammed from Inspire, without my fellow co-host, Shamaki, today. He's out here doing God knows what, but I know he's up to no good. I'm going to keep up with thinking of ways to surround him throughout the episode, so don't worry because I've heard what he says about me. Anyways, joined by a very special guest today. The my... Janapod crossover. Yes, so yes, my cousin <laughs> Tariq. Um, both of us actually used to run a podcast together called Janapod Podcast. I say used to, but still, there's still hey, plans hey, to do it casually every now and then. It's on hiatus. Yeah, it's on a hiatus. <laughs> We've done like, what, seven episodes? Seven episodes, which is seven more episodes. than I thought. It's like, it's like, did you see that uh, the Somali girl, Somali girl that did the the running recently? No. She did like a hundred meter dash or something, and then oh, you, you haven't seen it. No, but this is really relevant to today. Yeah, no. the running. <laughs> basically, it's been all over social media. A Somali girl, basically, her auntie is like the the head of sports or something. I don't know what it was. She's she's got some kind of leadership position in the, like the Somali like political party and like some kind of something to do with the sport. I don't know. In Somalia. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I didn't hear about it. I'm not really No 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 but it, it, it blew up on social media like literally in the last week or so because um <laughs> the girl basically got inducted to, to run a hundred a hundred meter like official sprint against real athletes. And oh. it was just like some random it was just her niece, like, like let's just say you, you, you go and grab your niece to, to run against like, oh, me. Right, you're trying to do five a side, and then it's like world class football players. Yeah, there. yeah, okay. Literally. And then like, like the whole thing just blew up on social media because, like, she's not like exactly in good shape. Like, she got a classic. Was this? I meant was this, sorry. Was this a sign of bullying? Like, was were they trying to humiliate her? Or no, no, her auntie in apparently it's something to do with like. Uh, if she does well, or, or, or it just gives her the opportunity to potentially leave the country. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, it potentially just gives her the opportunity to leave the country, go to Europe or something. I'm like, uh, I mean, I don't like this tangent, man. Get, go to the next nah, week. Nah, nah, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like, she, 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 she just looks terrible. And at the end, she does like a little skip. Like, it's just like, that was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that's how, that's how I felt with the seven episodes for us, and then we go for eight. <laughs> okay, I see how you loop this in. Okay, right, that makes yeah, sense. You see now. That, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, man. So, yeah. So today we're talking about the book that you recommended, Outlive, Outlive by Doctor Peter Atiyah, and I think there's another author, but uh, yeah, his voice is the one. I didn't know that until the end, you know. Really? Well, I saw it with someone on the mm -hmm. title, and then I didn't know until the end, like during the credits, where he was like. I appreciate Michael. <laughs> like he, he's basically like um, held his hand with it. It's funny because like I reviewed another book in the two weeks ago, um, which we're about to release called Unfair Advantage, mm -hmm. and like it's co-authored by two people. Um, but I didn't know that the main one guy actually wrote the whole thing, and the other guy just kind of put his inputs every now and then. So I didn't, I didn't even know that was a thing in like writing. Some people do that. I love it. You can just uh, finesse your way into being a co-author yeah. by just occasionally checking in. How's it going? Yeah. Like, you might want to change this paragraph. Yeah. Even then. with like my grandfather's book, like his his, his lexicon. Mm -hmm. uh, so my grandfather wrote uh, 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 my native tongue, Chimuni, uh, to English lexicon. lexicon yeah. And that was published. And there was the co-author, Charles F. Kisabeth, I think it was. Mm -hmm. But I was uh, uh, then I started thinking, <laughs> how much did that guy actually contribute to the book? <laughs> <laughs> Because I've seen my grandfather's notes. I've got some of his notes. I'm like, these are really detailed. So I'm like, what did the other guy contribute? Other than, yeah, like, maybe his English. <laughs> but Lord knows. Then again, yeah. So that's something we'll, we'll be 
unable to uncover, I guess. But yeah, Outlive, why did you recommend it in the first place? So you, you actually told me to read to, it like month, maybe two months ago even. I was recommended it myself mm-hmm. by a friend who, to be honest, this friend had told me about Peter Atiyah before the book was even published. Right. Because he said, look, there's this um, doctor. He does interviews with experts in these fields. And the goal or the research matter is longevity. Mm-hmm. How to live longer, how to live better. Um, that was his way of convincing me to do cold showers after the sauna. He's like, listen, it's really good for you. And there's, like, Look, there's a guy called PTA here looking him up. I was like, okay, fine. I'll keep that in mind. I didn't actually seek out any So did you content. not do cold showers before that? After the sauna? Yeah. Oh, not really. I didn't really. We did it sometimes, but I prefer to just fall off normally. Yeah. Right. But then it was him was like cold cycle, um, cycling cold showers, hot saunas, cold shower, yeah. sauna. Um, and then I think in May, April, a doctor's telling me, Tarek, you have non-alcoholic fatty liver, right? Yeah. Which means you, because usually if you're a drinker, you have fatty liver. That can happen. Mine was the non-alcoholic kind. Mm-hmm. And which is strange because this was after I started going to the gym and uh, I guess losing weight, but then I had to stop going to the gym because you know I had I had like a surgical procedure, so I had to take some time off. And then I had because I'm some okay. Long story short, non-alcoholic fatty liver. I tell my friend, he's like Tarek, fatty liver at this age. Listen, read this book. I recommend it to you. So I took him up on it, downloaded the audio book, and just decided to see. All right, what benefit can I uh, derive from this? <laughs> Funny enough, one of the anecdotes was about a guy. So, do you know the part where he's in the surgical theater? Yeah, yeah. And he's meant to do the consent form. Yeah. Or the patient is like, oh, are you a drinker? And the patient's like, no, no, I don't drink. <laughs> then moments later, or like um, like, like time during, later, they yeah. open him up yeah, yeah. and delivers like fatty. And the guy doing the, the, surgeon, the surgery looks at him. He's like, I thought you told me this guy was not an alcoholic. Yeah. He's like, no, he's not. And then it turns out it was actually just a copious uh, consumer of uh, fizzy drinks. Yeah. And throughout the book, Peter Tia it just harps on sh- uh, sugary drinks, like fructose, the quantity of it, and the amount that we get of it. So I thought, you know what, this anecdote kind of tracks, so I should probably pay a bit more attention to this. Were you consuming a lot of fizzy drinks then? Because, um, you know, for anyone that's on a calorie deficit, right, mm. you tend to go for Diet Coke, Diet Fanta, and you start thinking, there's no way the drink can be kind of just as decent but for zero calories how do they do it what kind of sorcery is this the answer is your liver pays for it because they put like other stuff in there mm-hmm. so just because it says zero sugar yeah just because it might be zero sugar um it doesn't necessarily mean that it could be zero uh zero drawbacks to it yeah yeah and then that kind of tracks with you know the chapter on biochemistry is like i don't want to call it nutrition that's very loaded i'm going to call it biochemistry because you can't really argue with that mm-hmm. and it also reinforces the idea that it doesn't just come down to calories mm-hmm. you know diet pope diet pope diet coke zero calories um <laughs> diet pope to... <laughs> 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 you know so you got these like uh low calorie or zero calorie uh, like coke for example coke zero mm-hmm. uh yeah that's zero calories but there's other effects it has on your metabolic system mm-hmm. So that's me with regards to this book. What convinced you to finally... Because after I finished it, I started recommending it to everyone. Yeah, you did. In the, especially in the family, because we are um, not <laughs> the picture of health. As, as, a, 
as a community, I'd say. Yeah. So over to you. Yeah, when we hug, there's always a bit of a gap between our chest and our bellies there. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I think <clears throat> I've been reading a lot more lately. Obviously, because of the podcast. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how many episodes we're in, but I've read in the last year. I've read like probably triple the amount of books I've read in the last two years. And then um, yeah, like most of the books have been really good books that have like just made me want to like change certain aspects of my life and and. I read a book just before <laughs> I read the book you recommended. Um, the book is called 4,000 Weeks. I'm actually reviewing that soon on the podcast, hopefully. Uh, that's my next um, book after I finish the one I'm reading now. Yeah, I recommend that to you after, right? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, so um, that's the funny thing, because we grew up kind of like reading a lot ourselves, like mm-hmm. Harry Potter fiction, a lot of stuff. And like, Darren Shan. Darren Shan, yeah, we were sharing a lot of books as well, so it's funny how... Now we're getting to a point where we're sharing adult books. <laughs> Quick tangent, you say sharing. Do you still have the Yu-Gi-Oh cards I gave you like 15 years ago? Not. Okay, fair enough. I, I wasn't going to ask did. for them back. I wish I did. I wasn't going to ask for them back, just, uh, just a quick nah, check. I wish I did, I wish I did, because oh, there was a period where my mom, <laughs> my mom yeah, she would just randomly do stuff where she would, she would be like, all right, you got too much stuff. Start <laughs> it's time it to go. She doesn't throw them out. She gives them to people. Oh, fair enough. So, so like one day I come home and my cousins are, my cousins from my mom's side are over. And I'm I'm like, cool, say no more. And then uh, as they're leaving, I'm just seeing them walking out with my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and my Pokemon cards. Oh, pain. <laughs> I figure, what? <laughs> what are you? That, Why pain. have you got my stuff right now? And then I, I, I'm like, I look at my mom. She looks at me like, don't even, don't say, don't say a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just walk out. I never see them again. I'm like, God damn! I actually really enjoy playing with this. <laughs> do, do you think that impacted your uh, your emotional well being? Yeah, I mean, it impacted my relationship with my cousins. <laughs> Every time uh, I saw them, you thieves, you could have said no. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I ask about emotional well being because that's like play, yeah. one of the other um, aspects. Yes, that's actually one of the parts I enjoyed the most about the book. Really? But yeah, um, going back to the question, so I read that four thousand weeks book, and then um, like. I think two books before that, I had read Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Um, and yeah, I was going through a period where I, I didn't have a job. So like, I was really <laughs> thinking about what I want to do in my life. Okay. And like Start With Why was like a great book to, st- to, to kind of go through in that period because I really started to think about approaching things with mindfulness and inten- intentionality. Mm. Um, and then I read 4,000 Weeks and that was like uh, more about acceptance of the fact that we have a fin- uh, finite amount of time to live, finite amount of time to be with our family, do things like projects we want to do. So like really prioritize what you want to do. So I mm. had the book start with why, then I had the book like like about like what you want to do with that time. And then this book, like I was like, let me read that next because I, I do feel like my health is declining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I go through periods where I'm like really healthy, and I go through periods where I'm really like terribly unhealthy. Um, but yeah, I was like, let me actually pay attention because yeah, first of all, it seems like like you're really you. You really seem to be convinced it. that yeah. it's going to be like a game changer. Um, I also, I, I do like to, like I'll say reciprocate, um, like when I recommend you something and you kind of show interest in it, I kind of wanted to do the same for you. Oh, that's nice, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because you read the nonviolent communication in my recommendations. I well. read it, yes. Um, I didn't think I'd be a, such a proponent of it. Yeah, you saw me when you started reading it. But maybe you'll, you'll come on for another episode and we'll cover that. If, you, if you're interested that's what's alive in you yeah why not but um yeah so i decided to read it um and yeah to start with like i thought it was good but i also felt like maybe because i had heard it from you already 
but I felt like I was kind of just recycling things I had already had. Mm-hmm. And then um, it got to the bit where he's talking about um, biochemistry and stuff like that. So like, it gets to points where it feels very detailed. Mm-hmm. Like he's talking about all the different hormones and all the different fatty types. And so on. And th- like that bit was like kind of lost my interest in, in parts because I was like, uh, at, at a base level, I think I just need to start exercising, start eating healthily, and things will improve. But I don't feel like I need to really optimize everything. We'll discuss that further anyway. Okay. Um, but then yeah, it got towards other things like um, about sleep, about emotions, and then, like he he started talking more about his story, and I love hearing that kind of stuff personally. Yes. And then that really like all right, it just. Hit the nail on the head, like I, I, I really enjoyed it towards, towards the end. Yeah, it's towards the end. Yeah, I mean, same here. I mean, as much as I like information, I also I'm a bit more of a narrative guy. So, when yeah. there's a story in there, like the story of Rapamycin, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that part. Of course, Rapamycin is cool and everything, mm-hmm. it's like a, like, a, like, a, like a bacterium. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's cool to know about. But the story of how they discovered it and how they um preserved it and everything mm-hmm. that really uh that had me in trouble for quite a bit mm. like like during those periods where he was like going into more detail like scientific f- facts and explanations i felt like i was like i don't want to be like that guy have you seen like that 45 year old guy that just wants to live forever and like he injects his own son's blood into his yeah yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah i don't yeah. want to be that guy like right now <laughs> uh, he did say it's hard to strike a balance when you're cr- when you're writing a scientific kind of yeah book. it's hard to strike a balance between appealing to the layman but also showing that you've got uh the credibility and the fact and, and you've done the research yeah. And the research yeah to back it up as well. mm-hmm. so so yeah like overall i'll say like i, I really enjoyed the book and I, I definitely like appreciate that you recommended it and i think it's definitely one that others <laughs> others should read as well yeah uh, especially in our family <laughs> but um yeah so like like that's like the overall like just i got off it but in terms of like summarizing what it's actually about do you want to do that or um we can do this in tandem so i'd okay. say his premise is that he so dr peter tia looked at what are the four killers of old age in the uh, i'm, I'm going to say developed society i don't think he used that term but in a society where it's unlikely you're going to be uh car bombed or like um or get the plague or something Something like that, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, have an accident or, like, violent crime. I'm going to remove those things, assuming you're going to live a safe life mm-hmm. away from those uh, risk factors. The four killers of old age. So one, or he called them the four horsemen. Yeah. Like, yeah. into the horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Yeah. So a bit dramatic, but I'm there for it. So, I mean, I might not remember them all, so you're going to have to help me. So the first one was cancer. Uh, the second was uh, metabolic dysfunction, which, you know, in other words, diabetes. The third one was neurodegenerative diseases. In other words, dementia and Alzheimer's. I think one of them is partly, actually, I could be wrong. Yeah. And lastly, it was um, uh, cardiovascular disease, so heart failure, heart attacks. Mm-hmm. And then, so he identified those four horsemen. And then he also then outlined some strategies mm-hmm. on how to try and tackle each one of them to reduce our risks. Uh, the second thing that he posits or he puts forward is that with, for example, you know, he talks about the journey of medicine. You know, first, the medicine 1.0 is about uh, the, um, I forgot there's a term for it, not 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 the pathogens, the um, whatever. I forgot it, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then medicine 2.0 is about uh, preventing or acting when a disease sets in. Yeah. Right, you know, we said once we discover the idea of pathogens, medicine's understanding of, um, or science's understanding of, health just exponentially just got better 
Yeah. Um, but he says things like Alzheimer's, uh, heart disease, uh, diabetes, medicine 2.0, which is what we have in the UK, in the US, in general, general across yeah. the world, is reactive. So we're only going to wait once a disease sets in for mm. treatment to start. Yeah. He puts forward that we should practice a medicine 3.0, which is right. The way I live now means at 60, I'm likely to have type 2. Yeah. So now at 30 or 25 or 20, whatever, or even at 40, it's never too late. I should make changes to, if not prevent it, at least delay it. Yeah. Uh, so then he outlines strategies for how to tackle this. And the categories are uh, strength and stability, uh, cardiovascular fitness, sleep, emotional well-being, and biochemistry, in other words, what you eat. Yeah. So that's, I'd say, what the book is about. Mm-hmm. And like throughout the book, he's given a lot of like case studies, examples, a lot of nice analogies. Like even the Titanic, for example, he said that, I, I didn't know that personally, but he said that um, the time they, they had been warned, I think uh-huh. three times even. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so they had been warned, uh, I think like two days before and then the day before, like, the, like they were on course to hit a big iceberg or something. Uh-huh. And like they should turn around. And um, he even talked about, um, I think he talked about the ships. The ship had a, binoculars in it that was like stood in the, the captain's headquarters yeah. that only the captain had access to um and like like that's a very important tool like a like a, a tool that you can't live without in that kind of scenario but for some reason they kept ignoring it and then eventually they did they didn't they didn't they got to a point where they couldn't turn around enough fast enough to avoid the, avoid iceberg. the iceberg yeah um, and then he also talked about boxing analogies Muhammad Ali always talking about how he's always training winning Strategy the fights and tactics yes right Winning the fights before the fights, like in, outside of the ring, so, so like you don't want to get into the ring and then without game plan and strategy about how to to actually like 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 um, what do you call it? Actually um, finish, actually use the tactic. I forgot the word. So like a strategy, right? Which is like the overall goal. So in yeah. Muhammad Ali's uh, case, my strategy is to um, outwork him, outwork we, we, him, tie this guy out to win the fight. Mm-hmm. So then the tactics that he employed would be, you know, training for his own stamina. How to execute, uh, like, that's all. Execu- yeah, how to execute the actual steps. You know, do I do footwork to make the guy work more? You know, it's like mm-hmm. strategy is like the goal and what I actually want to achieve. And then tactics are the steps, the mm-hmm. macro steps that I take and things that I do. So mm-hmm. again, the strategy is live longer and not just live longer. Because again, he talks about, okay, there's things called a lifespan, right? We could mm-hmm. live to 90, but if there's last 10 years you're in and out of hospital fighting for every next breath. Yeah. It's not the quality of life that we want yeah. or for ourselves. So he says, not only do we want to increase lifespan, we want to increase health span so that, you know, if you're meant to die at 90, you're pretty much healthy and you can do the things that you want to do up until you're 88, 89, and then you just die. Yeah. And he also gives other examples of people that go beyond that. So like centenarians. Centenarians, yeah. He continually mentions people that have lived above 100 years old. Yeah. How did they get there? And like like hearing their story. So he's given, I don't know, three or four case studies around like these kind of people. And uh-huh. like, uh, he, he kind of also talked about like genetics. Like a lot of them, like Matt, like he actually like like the the genes that they might specifically have that other people might not have. So you kind of talked about them a bit, but yes. like he's still saying that regardless of those genes, that there's still ways to optimize to be able to potentially yeah. outlive other people like the average. Um, and yeah, the other thing that you talked about, like medicine 2.0, um, he was talking about how like the healthcare system itself is set up in a way to just be. Um, reactive so things like medical insurance in america like they incentivized to imburse a bill for procedures treatments yeah 
you know, can't bill for your doctor telling you you should probably eat more fruit. Yeah. Less, uh, less, uh, you think that's just the capitalist thing? <laughs> like, um, they, yes and no. they make I mean, more uh, money that way. I think that's a discussion for like another, like a whole different podcast. Yeah. Because I think money is an important element into it. And we shouldn't, like, you're seeing it now, doctors here are more frustrated mm-hmm. because, um, finances and stuff like that compared yeah. to the state so i don't think it's inherently like an evil thing um but also over here money's not really a thing in term in that treatment we're not paying for anything most of the time but time huh? well, over time yeah but yeah. our healthcare systems because i asked this to my friend like hey look and he's a he's a he's a he's a doctor i was like so why are we not taking this 3.0 approach it seems so um intuitive logical. and yeah. logical and I'm not going to assume that the reason that's not the public policy is because they're malicious or incompetent, right? That's uh, that'll be a low-level thing to assume. So I mean, mm-hmm. I could actually see exactly what he told me mm-hmm. um, because he had a quite a good thought-out response. So he said it's not about that the approach is unpopular; mm-hmm. it's about financial incentives and how the system is built. So he said. The NHS infrastructure is primarily reactive, right? Mm-hmm. You go to the A&E, then you're inpatient, you get your treatment. And the US is an insurance system, so profit margins profit margins in treating acute or chronic diseases. Yeah. And he said also, it's not a doctor's or a pharmaceutical company's job to enforce and monitor, you know, GM, healthy eating, smoking, and so on. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he um, points out that if there's a new drug or method of living that isn't reactive, but more proactive, Unless it's scientifically validated, which is what Peter T is trying to do, it will take time because we have like a thing called a generational uh, sort of an evidence lag because we're at the evidence of the we're at the gen- sorry at the mercy of the evidence gathered by the previous generation. So you know we can't have this approach to be changed in a single paper, mm-hmm. right? So it needs to be this his approaches need to be replicated across multiple studies and groups, and that will take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so yeah and he like throughout like he so he talks about these concepts i mean like you said he actually talks about strategies to kind of deal with this kind of stuff uh-huh. uh, ourselves um so optimizing our nutrition or, like you said biochemistry um our sleep our mental health mm-hmm. uh um what was the other thing strength and stability strength and cardiovascular yeah fitness. and he's talking about like specific like common well-known practices like intermittent fasting and stuff like that and he's talking about like the pros and cons of that um, and it's funny because coming from like a Muslim background, like fasting is like highly recommended for you. Yeah, and exactly. Um, and I, <laughs> then I listened to this and I was like, hmm, it's uh. interesting. Because he's t- t- like, like everything has use case for every specific person at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. like you can't like prescribe fasting to everyone and expect the same results. One thing I like about his approach, and mind you that I do have criticisms of it. So yeah. not, this is not going to be an endorsement. Sorry, this isn't sponsored by Peter Tia. So it's not going to be just buy this book. I do yeah. have some criticisms of it. Yeah. But one thing that I did like about it, he, he admitted, my patients have humbled me. Before, I'd recommend intermittent fasting for everyone and thought, all right, that's the, that's the cure. That's mm-hmm. the treatment or ketogenic diet. That's, that's the way forward. That should work for everyone. And time and time again, his patients will have uh, different results, even though they are following what he says pretty closely. Mm-hmm. So he admits like, yep, sometimes uh, I've, I learned something new. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the interesting thing. So towards the end, he gets really honest about himself and like 
talks about like he went through a lot of traumatic experiences when he was a kid um, mm-hmm. how that kind of reflected in his adult life uh-huh. and he talked about micro traumas and like major trauma uh, yeah. points that happen in your life that could lead to where you are uh-huh. um, and how he had to go to therapy like two big rounds of therapy twice like the most recent yeah. one so during like COVID. rehab center yeah therapy. rehab yeah so like this then i was thinking like all right that's actually quite recent <laughs> like that uh-huh. last one so he said like during covid he had like a huge amount of patients and like he was struggling to remember names and family members like who who was which patient did this which patient yeah, said exactly. that i mean now it was a pandemic right unprecedented unprecedented yeah and stuff. that got me thinking like i'm like oh thank god i didn't go down the medicine route like 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 throughout the book i was like oh thank god because this is that was like was absolutely not for me so i'm glad that like, i never like i have opinions it. on that actually really not you not going the medicine route no, no, but, uh, but you I know like in the family them. it's common like oh be a doctor be a doctor as in the contrast where like my late father he was a literal doctor mm-hmm. he never pushed me towards a career field because mm-hmm. i think it's one of those where you're pushing people into a field that you don't understand so you know you're a parent right you do whatever like yeah my son's gonna be a doctor do you understand what you're signing him up for mm-hmm. not only is he going to be exposed to mortality like seeing people die a lot more frequently than the average person which might or may not be healthy for them yeah but you're also putting them through as you said like in the case of like a pandemic like they're on the front line yeah so unless you know what you're signing them up for i would say just you know don't push be supportive but don't push yeah and that's funny because like he talks about how like during that first rehab bit he was really like entitled and um he, he's kind of saying that i don't need to be here and all yeah this stuff. i'm better than everyone i'm not like these people yeah and i like f- throughout that i'm just thinking man and better than doctors like because these guys go through years of training to get to where they yeah. are and then they have to go through years of medical school whatever and like yeah to get to become a senior position like that's a lot of hard work and effort. i would probably be like a huge absolute absolute yeah. jerk I, 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 don't, I don't think i would be a good person if i went through all of that like uh, <laughs> i don't think i would manage my ego well honestly i'm not even joking it's like a previous conversation that like uh if someone works hard and become a barrister they feel like they can by the way i, I i'm not nothing against barristers but they will be able to like give their input and everything so yeah. like oh by the way you should set the cameras up like this way like, yeah. trust me i'm a doctor <laughs> i'm a podcast yeah. I, I own this like, studio I, bro like, i'm a doctor no like i'm a lawyer like listen to me it's like yeah it's, it's completely like, unrelated but there is a degree of respect in the status like, yeah. you get from yeah. just being called doctor yeah i, I definitely saw it with my dad mm. so that is that completely understandable that he would feel that way like feel yeah. entitled and so like during that that rehab he's chilling with guys that are like alcoholics and like um people are addicted to drugs and stuff so like that's the funny thing about therapy because i've never been through therapy myself especially like group therapy mm-hmm. like, so i can just imagine like that's like a whole other dynamic because mm. like now you're with other people who are completely different backgrounds from you who are sharing their stories and you're like bro nah, like, man. why am i here with these guys it's like yeah yeah you're, it's like you're you're in set one in school and you get put in set eight and you're like bro <laughs> what am i doing here like that's that's the funny thing and then um yeah then they the the, the therapist um makes like a, a hard a hard couple points about like all right cool so you you had your trauma experiences when you were younger so you you feel like that made you who you are today and yeah like exactly. you're not going to change yeah, that so what would you allow your child to go through that kind of trauma as well yeah like would you permit your you know, how old is your five son right now old. like five how old were you when you had that experience it was like five but it shaped me you know i wouldn't change it <laughs> so would you then be okay with him going through that and yeah. then that completely changed how he saw the situation mm. so like 
like him being honest in that way, like I, like I gained more respect for him and I started enjoying the book more, even though it's towards the end. Uh-huh. Like I, I suddenly I felt like I valued his opinion more. Okay. Which is weird, but yeah, because like I don't like when people are just preaching at you without any level of relate- relatability, like that kind of, it doesn't work for me. Like it doesn't, the information doesn't stick as much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they kind of like share a bit more and have that honesty about them, I feel like they're human beings who actually want to help human beings. Like you know mm. what I'm saying. I get it. Rather than I'm, um, I know better. Like you do this, or else. <laughs> like okay. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, that that kind of like really got me thinking a lot more as well um, about my emotional state myself. And then also with doctors, like my wife works in the NHS now. Um, you your family have gone through a few medical experiences now yourself so you've seen like how it can be for nurses and the doctors themselves and their experiences um so like it's it also about like not kind of like he said it himself not being thinking you're the center of uh, the universe and um appreciating where other people are coming from like what kind of day they might have had um but also from a medical perspective i would still say like it's really important to to get second opinions because your doctors might be going through stuff like this. Like I was thinking, like <laughs> this guy is this experienced and he's this established, and he said as recently as COVID, he had a whole me- mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. So how do I know I can trust his processes completely? Like when he's saying like that he went through something like that, right? Like I would still rather like push the guy second opinions, and, and I think it's very important for us to do that personally, especially as men who don't really tend to go to hospitals and get checkups and stuff. I speak for yourself, man. Yeah, that's an, I, was, I got a question. I was going to ask you a couple. Uh, I had a few questions for you. Um, so, like things like he, he recommended as well, getting like at least yearly checkups done, like physical, like complete physical cancer. Yeah, especially yeah. Sort of aggressive screening. Have you ever done one? A cancer screening. Yeah, any kind of screening, I suppose. Um, no, I don't think I've done a screening. I've had scans done, but that's to invest, investigate something more acute, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, X is hurting. Let's have a scan that looks at that area, like a stomach, for example. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever had like a general like let's just check if something is up kind of scan. I'd like to though. I don't even know where to start with that, you know. I mean, you can do a DEXA scan. A dietitian yeah. can do a DEXA scan, which kind of sees your, uh, I think it, do, it sees bone density, but also sees your visceral fat levels, which is the, I mean, you know, I can talk at length about visceral fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think again, it's expensive. Um, if you go to a GP, I want to be, I want to get scanned just because. As we said before, NHS is more reactive and these things cost money. And if everyone took the route of aggressive screening, I think we'd very quickly find ourselves. And again, if it's publicly funded, right, mm-hmm. we'd very quickly find ourselves unable to sustain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think Google it. If you, if you haven't got the money, you just Google like private clinic yeah, screening yeah. and then have fun. Mm-hmm. Another good like thing that I, I respected as well was the fact that he's actually fit. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how many doctors do we see that have like pot bellies? Some, some of them smoke and like. And this feels like just like we're attacking doctors, yeah. man. No, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Like you, you I feel like you, you practice what you preach. Hundred percent. Like you can't fully expect someone to to um, take your advice and guidance when you don't seem like you're taking it yourself. Yeah, no, that's just, yeah. And of course, like doctors have to do their jobs anyway. Like they're they're they're, they're there because like they they went through that whole process and like, they're not just gonna quit all of a sudden. But I think like that's definitely another level of just like respectability and um, uh, I guess trust as this credibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, like yeah, I've, I think I'm gonna like check out his other stuff now. And uh, so he's got a podcast called The Drive, and where he interviews other people with like established 
um, yeah. professions and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed the book, honestly. So I appreciate the recommendation. Oh, no, of course. And I recommended it to as many people as I could. And I just quoted different aspects of it about the uh, the study of that caloric deficiency or reducing your caloric intake, right? Or in short, reducing how much you eat and drink with the effect that has on like a longer lifespan and what they saw in mice. But uh, what kind of, because you said you had like a, some notes that you had. So I don't want to jump to something that you wanted to talk about at like the end of the podcast now. So I'm trying mm. to trying to respect that. So... No, I mean, it's all right. Um, all good. So let's talk about health span. So <coughs> you kind of briefly mentioned it earlier. Um, so a lot of us kind of just live day by day without thinking about like like uh, the why as well. Like uh-huh. why do you want to live for that long? And yes. Like um, I, I, I think I, I read another book that you recommended a few years back on the podcast. What? Or similar book. So there's The Death of Ivan Ilyich where the guy was... Oh, a day in the life of... Uh Ivan Denisovich. No, that's another one that you're. Oh right. There's the death of Ivan Ilyich as well that I, I read. Didn't, I didn't recommend you that. Okay, you guys. I read that one myself, but basically about a guy who's dying and uh-huh. like he, he, like the I don't remember who it was, but he's only got like his family basically abandoned him, and he's kind of like just like psychologically breaking down, but eventually coming to the acceptance of like his health state and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it just kind of made me think about why as well because. You don't just want to live for a long time just for the sake of it. Like you want to live with purpose, like and also are you just living for yourself. You living with your, for your family. Like personally, I would like to live a long life so I can experience more things with the people I love. Um, so like that was another really interesting point as well. So I recommend it to other people so they can be around when yeah. I'm around. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's something I worry about personally sometimes. Like just random. Like imagine, like for example. Uh, uh, like your, your wife or whatever like you don't like you don't know you could die anytime either one you could die yeah, anytime. anyone can get it yeah anyone can get it so like imagine like what you would feel like after if if it was you or if it was them mm-hmm. like if they just like because personally i've not gone through like a direct like immediate family loss like yet in my life and mm-hmm. I, I just wonder how i would experience like not experience i wonder how i would deal with that um, and I, I, I always worry about that personally So I'm glad that I have the time I have with them now So I'm trying to push them towards more healthy living as well So I'm kind of glad that I read this book To, to kind of preach the message as well going be, forward Be conscious of Because um, he even talks about his mother Who's like what, 70? Yeah. She's old, right? Sorry guys, she's just um, She's old, but he says that even her age She started doing some strength training And he saw a tremendous difference a lot of the time, there's an attitude over the, I mean, at least in our community, or maybe even our family. I don't want to say for the rest of the uh, Lebanese, Somali people, but at least in our family, the moment you hit a certain age, I saw this with my mother, you're like, ah, oh, I'm old. Like, any sense of trying to be active, it just goes out the window. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just now relaxing, waiting for my kids to get married, and then I can die. It's, uh, and you give up on so much because med- medicine will keep you alive until you're 90. Right, even if you've got heart failure, diabetes, and all of that. So, when you say, "What are you living for?" He he also mentions that like it's nice to want to be a centenarian, right? Live for a hundred, but you don't want to just go through the motions. You don't want to be an organism that just eats yeah. and uh, metabolizes food and whatever, right? You want to have a direction. Sometimes, like when you wake up, you're like, "Yes, I woke up today, and I can do the things I want to do. I can talk about books with my uh, cousins. I can." Uh, you know, do the project that I'm passionate about and so on. Um, the reason that I think 
I've been inspired by the book to like take healthier steps and live longer. I'd like to just be around for the younger generations. Mm-hmm. You know, because for example, me, I never had any grandparents. Mm-hmm. And the one grandparent I did have, she my my maternal grandmother, she by the time I was conscious enough to like think and breathe, like and I was breathing as a baby, but you know, <laughs> thinking consciously, right? Yeah. She was already in her deathbed. Like and she was very miserable, you know. And I don't know what your uh, guidelines are for the podcast of what what's like not appropriate for viewers to know, but so I can always edit. <laughs> you can always edit it out. Great, <laughs> I'm politically safe. Yeah, but no, she would like make requests for her her life to be ended and stuff like that. And I was like six years old. So I don't really understand, but like I got the gist of like she just. You're there being Yu-Gi-Oh cards you're here, right? Like, nah, but this is forget Yu-Gi-Oh. I was uh, I didn't even know how to like tie my shoelaces. I was, yeah. I was a toddler, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it makes me think now that. When I'm that age, I would like to be able to, like Peter Atiyah says, you know, you ask his patient, right? So when you're 80, do you want to pick up your child? Do you want to be yeah. able to travel independently? Another example of that is because my mom, you know, she, she, she's not very active. Um, this was a few years ago um, when her sister passed away. And I said, hey, listen, we can book flights right now and go to a funeral. And she's like, I can't travel. Like, I'm too on. Not, I don't want to say unfit, but she's like, too, no, she wasn't she wasn't fit to travel. Fit to travel, yeah. Yeah, well, just fucking microphone. She wasn't fit to travel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because mobility for her was an issue. And I, I don't want that. I want to be, when I'm 70, I want to be able to say, look, I want to go to Indonesia. And the only thing that's going to stop me is time and money, but not my, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That's so. That's interesting. Is it's gonna come up to my next question. So health span. That's health span for you. That's what kind of the concept behind it. But what would you think? Because every now and then I see like TikToks of like old grannies playing GTA and stuff. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, so what, what, what do you think you'd be? I don't personally know what I'll be doing at the time. But what would you, what do you think you, you'd be occupied with? Probably. Because I'm hoping. Huh? I, I'm hoping I wouldn't be <laughs> fucking full time. That's the dream. The capitalist <laughs> dream. I want to keep grinding. I'm moving I'm in a position where I'm like, yeah, cradle to the grave, making money, talk to me nice. No, uh, yeah. what I'd like to be doing at that age. Yeah, so, yeah, being able to play with children, like, you know, when don't laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even laughing from a, a weird perspective. It's just, it's just the concept of just playing with children is your first thought. Yeah, because I'm being a, a kid and like my parents are a bit older. So yeah. it's like, they don't have as much energy and time to play with you, right? They're either busy or tired. Mm-hmm. So being there to having filling that hole in others' life that you didn't have is a way, I guess, of paying. You know, it would be sick. What? Like, you could be like five aside with your grandchildren. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're active. Like, you're and I, I think you guys will definitely uh, secure like probably uh, two 11 aside a team. So. <laughs> That's what I'm banking on. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm banking on. So, and being able to, um, uh, I, I think I mentioned before, like being around as an adult, as an elder, mm-hmm. to provide that kind of uh, guidance and um, yeah, protection hand. to like the, the younger generation. So mm-hmm. someone can talk to them on the level. Whereas if you're like very old and weak, you won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what other thing I see myself doing is, yeah, being able to travel and being able to, um, partake in the interests that I have currently right now. Mm-hmm. So I still see myself going to the gym. I probably wouldn't be deadlifting yeah. and things like that. But yeah. I do see myself, you know, doing some light workout and still, you know, enjoying the st- steam room, yeah. trying to swim, things like that. Uh, 
I don't think I have anything else specific. I don't drive at the moment. I got a license. But again, if I was driving, I would say, yeah, when I'm 19 or 80, yeah. imagine I'm hoping you're living that long, you know, inshallah, um, that I can just drive independently and not drive like, uh, like a senile person. Yeah. Know? I also want to be that cool granddad that like fixes up his old Camaro. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, at that age, all you have is nothing but time. So yeah. you might as well like, be able to do a, a project right and another aspect of it is that you don't want to be uh and this is a bit sensitive but you don't want to be a burden on like others you know like mm-hmm. look we're human and we're not superman so eventually we have to rely on others that's something we have to come to terms with mm-hmm. but it's the degree of how much we are reliant on others. yeah 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 that's uh, that's something that i definitely like when i see people in a state where they're fully independent i'm like i i really don't want to live like that like fully dependent you mean? yeah fully yeah. completely dependent like yeah, yeah it's yeah. not it's, I, I heard the term like it's living without living like it's just it, it, i would hate to be in that position honestly like mm-hmm. so yeah um i think we ran out of time actually oh we actually yeah two that's minutes nuts. Yeah. two minutes left yeah so well, yeah, I was gonna, um, it's a shame. I want to talk about the eugenics part of how it's. Uh, go ahead. I'll give you. I'll give you a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, fine. Quick eugenics. I like the part about you know how he's like, look, alcohol has no benefit. It doesn't matter if we look at this population that we saw. Oh, these guys are all lived all long and they drank alcohol. Therefore, there's some benefit to alcohol. And he's like, no. If you look at the mice, mm-hmm. you know, we said lower calories live longer. But now if we separated mice into three groups: the lower calorie, medium calorie, and high calorie. And then we only looked at the high calorie mouse and found that the ones who lived the longest one are the ones that ate the most. Mm-hmm. We'd come to a completely different conclusion than ha- as if we had looked at the whole population. Mm-hmm. So I liked his whole, like a lot of times this kind of is it eugenics and no, eugenics is something else. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the term for it, but it's like, it's nonsense. And that's cool. Yeah. So it took up a minute. Yeah. It's interesting because um, he also said something about like right now, this is what we know as a normal healthy lifespan is someone that's like a centenarian or whatever, mm-hmm. like if they're like optimally lived from start to finish. But we never know where like science could actually get to. And like if everyone is like, if, if the society has gone to a place where I say we're all practicing medicine 3.0, where does that go along with the actual like progression of technology and medicine at the same time? Yeah. So like maybe we could all reach 150, who knows? And like, that kind of, that's kind of my critique of him though. I think yeah. he's sometimes a bit obsessed <laughs> with the centenarian thing. Yeah, and the, vampire guy. the way he uh, wants to optimize, like, you know, for example, he talks about zone two training, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure that you're in that uh, level of uh, effort that you're putting in, in your cardiovascular training. It's like, you don't measure with heart rate, you measure with your lactate VAT levels. And stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, like you measure your lactate levels. Like, listen, I appreciate you're trying to be accurate, but most of people don't have access to measuring lactate levels and all of this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. can you also provide some, you know, layman's, layman's tips? For how to get healthy? And then it also could be an indicator, like, yeah, long health also comes with more time and money, or yeah. more time and money more means investment. you can invest more into your health. Whereas if you're, if you have uh, bad circumstances. It's a cycle, yeah. but it's kind of you gotta to work towards that progressively. But like I said before, that's kind of kind of what I was like. I wasn't enjoying the book as much when I kind of felt like it was, um, it wasn't as relatable for me because I was like, I want to get healthy, but I don't want to be like obsessing over every single detail and tracking every single biochemistry point in my life. You know, so yeah, um, that's uh, Outlive by Dr. Peter Atia. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed the book and enjoyed having you on. Yeah, uh, so thank you very much for coming.
Yeah, for sure. Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, it's been your boy, Mohamed Iman from Bib Trails, joined by my special guest. Tarek from Wabjana Pod. Yes. Yeah. Go and tune into the Wabjana podcast as well. But yeah, uh, it's been a, a pleasure. And yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Paper Trails podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review, comment, like, and subscribe. And be sure to follow us on all our socials. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work.